You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost. Tony here today. Um, got a pretty cool guest uh, with us, um, and I'm going to introduce him in a second. I don't want uh, folks to forget that you can send any comments about this podcast or any other uh, podcast that you've heard from us to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. Uh, and if we read your comment or question on the podcast, you win a free pair of Costa Del Mars of your choosing. So let's not uh, let's not forget to do that. It's a it's a pretty fun little competition, and we love hearing from all of our listeners. So today we have our Connecticut board member Mike Platt joining us from Light Bite Charters. Mike, how you doing today, buddy? Doing well, Tony. Doing well. How's everything on your end? everything's fine man you know just chugging along uh another 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 day another adventure in trying to save fish um they knew you know uh another most likely another kick in the nads uh yeah yeah it's 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 an uphill battle man the uphill battle you know uh uh there was a song um that that i think explains what we do and it's called uh if you're gonna be tom, if you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. <laughs> you gotta be tough. Yeah, pretty much. So, it. Like, you know, yeah, that's it. That's all anyone needs to know. So, Mike, you fish, uh, you fish Connecticut. You're from yep. Connecticut. You fish Connecticut, and it's a lot more of a dynamic fishery that I think that people give it credit for. So, like, you know, the folks outside of that Connecticut, Rhode Island, you know, that 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 one part of New York. I fished up there a couple of times, man, and it was it was a lot cooler than I expected. So, yeah, no, uh, so you have a pretty cool fishery. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm Southwest Connecticut, so I'm down uh, the Gold Coast, uh, you know, kind of all Fairfield County, uh, all the way up into New Haven County, Bridgeport, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, in my neck of the woods, we have almost thirty islands, some named, some not. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity fishing wise. Uh, we have sand, you know, come we have sandy flats. We have tons of rocks, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, it offers a lot of opportunity where we are and, and we're in a unique location because we get those fish that come through out of the Raritan and, uh, they kind of make their home our way. And then some of those fish out of the Chesapeake will make their home our way. And then the rest of them move up and, you know, into the Rhode Island, Massachusetts, et cetera. And then, you know, uh, vice versa on the way on their migration South, I mean, everything, passes through montauk and what doesn't pass through montauk comes past us so it's a pretty interesting spot you sent me you sent me some crazy video of uh of some large model bluefish just yeah just a billion of them (laughs) just just in like skinny water tails out of the water like bonefish or red drum it was pretty wild, man. Like that, I saw that, and I'm like, I want to do that. So, what's what's that like? That's a spring. Are you, that's that's, that's a, a they're yeah, spring and all summer. Um, yeah, even in the fall, you know, I don't know, something happened about five six years ago. Uh, I'd say about five years ago, the the those bluefish don't seem to come inshore very much anymore. And we used to curse them. You know, you're, you're fishing for stripers, and you know, every third cast, you're getting bitten off. You know, and you hate to put the steel on, especially if you're in five, six feet of water, you know, fishing boulder piles. And, uh, you know, you just they were everywhere, you know, and uh, you curse them. And now you kind of wish you had them back in that shallow water. Now they're staying out. and You know, we're finding them out in 70, 60, 70, 100 feet of water. And you'll see their tails up and you'll see them V-wake in the surface. And they kind of basically just stay out there most of the year. They come in. Usually in the fall, October-ish, they kind of run in, it seems like for a week or so, and then they're back out again, and then they vanish. Um, it's been a little slow recently uh, on those bluefish. They seem to have moved a little bit. I can't seem to find them. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, you know, running 20 miles, 30 miles one direction to find some finning bluefish is like, eh. You know, maybe not exactly worth it during a charter. 
Um, but you know, we have enough inshore stripers right now, uh, that keeps, can keep us pretty busy. And, uh, you know, if it's super slow, we'll run out and try to find a few to cast to, but past few years, it, it was really silly the past few years out there. I mean, doing the tease and switch, you know, you can have a guy who's not a great fly caster, rip a plug across the surface with no hooks on it and give him 30, 40 shots at fish over 10 pounds, you know, during a charter and probably hook, you know, at least 70% of those, uh, within five, six feet of the boat. You know, it, it's a blast, uh, to, when you're doing it, uh, it's exciting. You know, there's a lot of, everybody's cursing at each other and, you know, you miss the fish. They're fucking hitting two feet from the side of the boat. There's no place to set a hook. You know, rods are breaking, shit, stepping on fly lines. Everybody's cursing at each other. It's, it, it, listen, it's fun. It's exciting. You know, it kind of reminds me of the old days. That sounds you know? like so much fun to me. <laughs> just, it does. Just, no, I'm serious. Like, I, I just, now it's like more awesome than the video. So, no, that's <laughs> yeah, like, that's what you, that's what you're doing here is me screaming. Get the fucking thing in the water. Get the fucking thing in the water. They're coming. They're coming. There's 30. There's 30. There's, ah, fuck, 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 fuck. Don't step on the line. Fuck. Yeah. And I get excited because, I, I, you know, I, I know the feeling. You know, it's, it's still exciting for me to catch fish, but it's even more exciting for me to watch somebody else get that same, you know, that that electric charge when those fish are, you know, you know just there's just teeth and parts flying everywhere and they're blowing plastic out of the water. You can hear their mouths clacking next to it. You know, it's exciting. And for a guy on the bow or on the stern, uh, who doesn't get to see that all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, you're, you pucker up. I mean, it's exciting. You get buck fever, you know, all hell's breaking loose and you got, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a whole sight to see when it happens. Oh, and it's a, it's a whole other thing too. Like when you hook one, you oh, get three more trying to take the fly uh, out of its mouth. Yeah. Then they yeah. bite you off. And, yeah, and then you're you, just, I mean, it's, it's, they're such junkyard dogs. I mean, you can't compare the two fish um, no. really, but as far as like an inshore, like visual bite. Um, so it's great. Oh man. I mean, stripers, let's be honest, are terrible at hitting top water and like they'll knock it like five feet into the yeah. air and all we you know we've seen that but they are awful bluefish laser I mean, focus they make the connection they, laser they focus. zero in and those jaws slam closed on it and it's over right i mean it's <laughs> it is so cool the other fish i kind of think that's like that is jack creval you know a yeah, lot of I, our guys in florida throw flies at it and they do they do the pop and swap for jacks and man, Listen, those 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 eats are like oh, it's like a giant trevally. I mean, it's well, just the coolest thing. They, they, you know, bluefish and the jacks. Uh, I think there's a little video called Trash Fish, right? Um, I think Bear Holman was a part of it. A few other guys, and you know, jacks and blues, you know, kind of get the bad name. They're kind of junk fish, so to speak. Uh, they're they're semi plentiful, or you know, we think they're semi plentiful, uh, and you know, because you can catch them pretty easily when they're there. Uh, you know, they just they, they don't get the lure of those other fish that are a little more aloof and a little harder to catch. You know, like a striper can be a little picky. Bluefish usually are not very picky. I mean, you can you can throw a candy wrapper in the water, and if they're on, they're going to hit it. And yeah, the just make sure on it's on a just make sure it's on a long <laughs> shank hook with a little yeah. bit of a wire trace on it. Right? Yeah, I, I don't I mean, really use I don't really use a lot of wire. I mean, I use fifty. You know, I don't either. I, I hate I hate wire. I use like the only thing I'll use is surflon. Yeah, but that's the what truth I mean, is. Yeah. Even with surflon, if they get that fly deep, They'll they're gonna it. bite through it. So it's like you know, I, I'll tell you. The two things that I do if I know I'm going for blues is I'll tie something on like a a fly, a, you know, a streamer all the way back on like a popper hook. The shittiest you fly know? you got. <laughs> Not yeah. the one that and then the, the <laughs> Mike, try like try this too. Uh, I tried it. I couldn't believe it worked. But like circle hooks actually work on bluefish. You just Especially can't set flies. the hook. Yeah, yeah that's flies. what I mean. Just, just hold the line. Hold the line. Tug of war. Yeah, and, don't, don't lift it. And it'll actually set in there yep. in the corner of their mouth a lot of times. Uh oh, yeah. it's really one of one of the only few fish I feel like flies and circle hooks work on. Um yep. you know, maybe Spanish mackerel too. But uh something that's just something that just grabs and runs with it. That's and doesn't want and, and doesn't want to let go. Correct. Um 
Correct. So I'll tell you, we you know we've talked about y'all get some real big ass stripers too. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to move on from bluefish too quick, but like <laughs> I know, do all right. I know, I know you catch some you catch some large model stripers, right? Um, yeah, there are you know we 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 get plenty of them, um, and you know we, we get our fair share, and but we choose to fish them the hardest way possible, right? I mean, what's harder than trying to throw chicken feathers at, at a fish that doesn't want to eat chicken feathers, uh, and, and produce something over twenty pounds on a fly? I mean, it, it's it's a hard game, you know. Our neck of the woods, we don't have the rip lines like you have out east. You know, you get out uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, you get squid, you get them in those rips. Uh, the game's a little easier. We we kind of don't have that. We, you know, our little rips are formed by some inshore shelves and some some sandbars, and uh, but those fish patrol it. And if you you're on the water enough, and you're out there, I mean, you're going to come across them. I mean, we, we you know a couple of guys and I we found forty inch fish tailing. You know, we had a tails waving in the air in two three feet of water. They were eating crabs. They wouldn't touch anything, but they wanted crabs, and you know, you threw you, you could put it right on their nose. They wouldn't even look at it. They were just so keyed in, but uh, you know they're there. We have them. Good. There's good size to them, uh, and it's you know it's a tough game. You play them if you're going to play on the fly rod. Well, you know you're gonna, you're going to you're going to get the short end of the stick a lot. But it's worth it when you you do hook up with that you know that pig. And we had a guy who's not a good caster uh, a couple weeks ago, and we we basically got spooled. We got down to the backing knot, and then hit the backing knot and popped the fly. And there was nothing we could do. Couldn't turn it got in the rocks and that was the end of it but yeah we quite a story to see all the fly line gone and all the backing gone and then you start seeing the arbor and then boink. yeah it's, it's a heartbreaker i mean it, it happens I mean, we were under gun i mean I didn't, we were in a spot that's where why I you play was, the game mike that's it right that's it i mean and, that's you know, why you play the game like that's why sometimes that sometimes that fish will, will run out into open water and you can run them down and and you yeah, know well, you can land it pretty quickly and other other times not so lucky know, you know, what's funny when you, when you say that, right? Uh, you know, when I worked in a little bit in finance uh, and in the hedge fund world, you you talk to some of the guys and, you know, winning isn't really what it's all about. Um, you know, sure, they like to win. Everybody likes to make money. That's great. But actually, some of the biggest motivators is the loss. You know, if 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 you roll the dice and lose... How much, how quick are you reaching? If you're at the casino, right, and you roll the dice and you lose, how fast are you back in your pocket? Like, you know what? I'm rolling again. I'm feeling it. I got to roll again. And that's striper fishing or that's any kind of fishing. You know, you roll the dice, you could lose, but you know what? You get up, you go back out tomorrow because tomorrow could be the win. You know, fishermen in general are the most hopeful, optimistic people. I mean, even the curmudgeons, like That's me, me and McMurray, <laughs> you know, and, and you, like, we are curmudgeons. Like, you look at, like, Dixon or even, like, Boyle. You know, yeah. Dixon's like, dude, real animated, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and Boyle's just, you know, very, very quiet, intense, incredible fisherman. And and I'm a curmudgeon, right? I admit it. I I admit it. But it doesn't mean that I'm not hopeful on every cast. And, oh, yeah. and the My trick fingers to are me, crossed. Mike, the tr the trick to me is the more you the more hope you have, the more focused you are on each right. cast. Yep. And the more focused you are, the more fish you'll catch. Correct. I, mean, I say I say that to everyone constantly is like if you pay attention to every strip, every movement, every twitch, if if you're uh -huh. laser focused on being the crab, being the bait fish, you know, making it move right, you will catch two, three times the amount of fish oh, that yeah. the other person does that is not doing that. And it's well, that hope that drives me, right? Yeah. Every yeah, cast is a 50 pounder, right? It could be, yeah. And you know what's funny is uh, you know, I always think to myself, and I've said this to other people, is when you're stripping a fly, you're working a lure, right? If you, in your mind, right, are working that lure, and if you close your eyes and envision how that fish is going to hit it, what is it going to take to get that fish to hit it and, and do it? You know, whatever works in your mind, how you want to see it in your mind, how you want to see that hit, how you want to feel that take, if you can imagine that while you're stripping, Right or why you're working a lure, you can certainly 
you know, that positive thinking, it, it, there's something to it. It, it does produce more fish. Now, I do that. So some fishing, right? What you just described, you're maybe not doing that in a blitz. No, no. It's yeah, I mean, you're just, no. you're just, like you said, throw it, let it drop go. the fucking fly. Like, right. Let just it get in the, the water. water at this point. You know, like, God, just all you got, all it has to do is be in the water. Stop with the eight back casts. Like, yeah, yes. you don't need it. But when you're like blind casting on a flat, I don't care what it's for. Mm-hmm. And you close your eyes and you're standing in that water and every strip you're fishing it like the last strip, right? Like yep. the, of your life. And, and you're, yep. you, I swear as God is my witness, I have willed. Fish yeah, you can will them. I'm convinced eat. you can will. I'm convinced you can will fish. If I mean, you know, it's not that you're a fish whisperer, but you know, I think with the positive thought, you know, you, you, if you change your mindset, I mean, like you say, you don't work for mudgeons, but I, you know, if you change the mindset and when somebody's on the bow of my boat, right, I'm sitting there thinking strip, strip, that's it. That, you know, I, I can see the way they're stripping and I, I can almost feel the hit coming because everything looks good. They got the rod pointed at the fly. It's not over their shoulder and they're not trying to strip behind them. You know, they're doing everything right. And, you know, I'm sitting there with my fingers are crossed and I'm, I, I can feel my nerves starting to creep up on me because I want that tug. I want them to feel that tug. And if, if you think that tug's coming, it, it will come. It's going to happen. But it's, you know, I think positive thinking definitely has something to do with it. Oh, it, it does, man. And it, you know, I think you learn a lot too when you focus, when you're like lasered in and focus like that and you do get the eat. Now that's in your memory bank. Now, you know, and, and, you know, it's, you never master this stuff. I don't know about you, but anyone who's like, yeah, I figured it all out. I'm a master fly angler. Look at my certification from the rod casting authority of America that I am a, (laughs) you know what I mean? And you're like, you're like, dude, stand on the bow of a 27 foot boat, uh, going two to three feet up and down with like a 15 knot wind, not even terrible conditions right in your face and have. 5,000 fish breaking the surface in front of you and see if you can keep your shit together. Cause it's different when you're standing on a lawn. So anyone who says they've mastered it, I'm always like, well, uh, you know, you'll clearly just embarrass me on a boat. So I'm not comfortable fishing with you. And on, <laughs> cause you, you know, you learn every time, right? You never right. master this. No. And, and I, I said this the other day, I said, you know, golf, believe it or not, a lot of guys play golf. I mean, I, I suck. I played a lot of golf in my life, but I sucked. I was far better at fishing than it was at golf. But in theory, golf can be beat. If you hole in one, every hole, you can beat the game. You can't beat fishing. You can't beat it. There's one other fish. There's a bigger fish. There's a different fish. You can't beat it. If you caught 10 today, you could catch 20 tomorrow. Or you can catch one. Or you catch nothing. It's it's a constant gamble that cannot be won. But it, what's great about it is everybody is trying to beat it, and you can't. You never will. But that's what so keeps Mike, us going I, back. I, I I don't like golf. I can't even say <laughs> that I suck at it. I, I just suck. can't. I can't stand it. And and a couple of a couple of people because I mean, dude, if it's a nice day and I'm outside and I have free time, I'm fishing, right? Or I'm hunting. I'm not. I'm not chasing a white ball, right? I'm not, it's not happening. Like I don't have time for that, right? Nope. I, this, this is, if I have free time, most valuable thing in my life is time. If I have free time, I'm fishing and I'm outside yeah. fishing, hunting. So uh, these people, oh, you know, why don't you like golf? And I said, well, you know, mm. when you get to the point when y'all develop the game and you can actually spook the hole, yeah. and the hole can like run away from you and reject the perfect shot. Right then I'll be interested in golf because otherwise yeah. it's just a static fixed entity. Right. And, you know, you play a course five times and you get better at it. And I, I've right. lived, I lived in the same house on the same section of the Chesapeake Bay now for like 15 years in this house. And, uh, and I, and there are plenty of days when I feel like I've never been here before. 
you know, when everything you wake up, everything's changed, wind, moon, whatever, may worm hatch. And I mean, just like, boom. And the, the pattern that you had developed is over. There's, it's like the dead sea. You can't find anything. It's miserable. You, you know, learn, putting it all, you got to learn all over again and use yeah. everything that, you know, yeah. So when they can the switch back. a golf course like that in the middle of the night and like, you like never seen it before. And the holes are in different places and the tees are in, that sounds like fun to me. They can move the trees, the sand yeah. traps, and then the hole actually moves while you're on yeah, the green. Yeah, so you're yeah, trying no, to get it. Yeah. Now you got me. Now you got me <laughs> interested, right? Yeah, now I you got you. me interested. So, Mike, another big part. Speaking of like incredibly frustrating things that rarely work out, and uh, and setting yourself up for failure, but occasionally a huge reward. Our friend, the false albacore. I know that's a big part of your business. And I will just say this about Albies for me. Like, I know we have listeners from all over the place. You know, we look at the, we, we look at the stats. We know we're heavily concentrated in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic and, and now the Southeast. Albies is a different game in Florida. So whoever's yeah. listening to this and you're from Florida, it's, I don't want to say it's easier for y'all, but like, it's a different fishery, like the, like the live chumming and you just kind of throw a fly behind the boat and like 10 yeah. albies come up to annihilate it. Right. And, I mean, and it, you're on you structure and you can just sit there all friggin' day and there's just albies everywhere. Right. You throw a pilchard it's in the not water. that way. It's, no, it, we don't have it. We don't not have that. Like, no, we don't have that. It doesn't. No. So, our fishery, let's say for Albies, is different, and mm -hmm. it can be incredibly challenging, and can try every ounce of your patience um, because they're moving fast. There's usually not, you know, a huge number like a striper or bluefish blitz, and it kind of looks like a like a like a fighter formation ripping through the water at like Mach 2 mm -hmm. and you don't have a lot of time to set up to get your cast out uh you got wind you got waves you probably have other boats competing for these fish and yeah. it's a it is a shit show shit show <laughs> but, exactly what it is but <laughs> that's the excitement but you don't have enough hours in the day when the albies are here now if you, you you would be booked if it was Albies every day for you for three months, you would be booked every day for three months because people are like addicted to them. They are, you know, listen, they're hard to catch. I mean, there's day, listen, you know how it is, whether it's stripers, bluefish, bonefish permit, there's days that they, it seems easy. You know, they seem to be willing to, to cooperate. Uh, but a lot of times with the Albies, they don't cooperate, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the lure to it. You know, you, it's visual. You see them up on top. You know, your your the hair is standing on the back of your neck. Uh, you, you know, you're you're puckered up. These fish are kind of moving towards the boat. You got wind in your face. You know, you have a lot of adverse conditions. You got waves. You got boats running them down, and you it all boils down to the one cast to try to get them. And even with that one cast, you can strip through them and still come up short. They could still come up empty. And then you got might have to wait 15 minutes for them to come cruising back around again, or you have to go and find them again. And it's tough. I mean, it's a hard game to play, but that's why we do it. It's not easy. And those those that do it and are good at it, you know, it's a badge of honor. You know, when you talk to guys, they're like, oh, you know, you, they say, oh, I never caught an Albie or, oh, we saw him, we didn't hook him. When you, and, you know, you got a guy that says, you know, I hooked up with four or five, landed three. And all of a sudden, you know, that guy's getting pats on the back. And, you know, that's amazing. Great job. Uh, so, yeah, they're, 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 it's, it's an addiction. You know, Mike, I don't know if this is, um, I don't know if this is true. Uh, I know Albies have really good vision, you know, as do all tunas. But yeah. um, one of the, there, there's some connection, and I'm going to make, because we have scientists listen to this, and I'm probably going to sound like an <laughs> asshole. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure about, which is, I'm sure the scientists who listen to this are, are familiar with that part, this part of the show. Um, but colder water, uh, mm -hmm. fish can see better in it. 
Um, uh, there's less algae bloom in the colder, I think it's right? less algae bloom, but there's also there's more oxygen in the water with colder water. And I think that's somehow that's somehow a variable in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you so. look at you look at like Florida, like Stewart, where a couple of our our members, you know, fish for Albies religiously. Um, you know, that water's oh. about as clear as it gets. Yeah, no, that's, um, you got 25 foot visibility. Yeah, yeah. Sake. So, but there's something, you know, the thing that's nutty about Albies is it's a it's a very strong little fish. It's a little tuna, and they have this laser friggin' vision. So you have to drop down to like you know fluoro that's like a frog's hair, you know. And not me, not me, man. Not you. 20- 25 pounds straight mono, they'll hit it. They hit top Dude, water plugs. You can get them on top I've, water. I have seen them so fing picky, dude. Yep. And yep. that the line just touches their tooth and it's over. It's, it's over. Yeah. Um, it's also depend, you know, I think a lot of the Albi fishing, when it gets tough, is when the boats are chasing them around. You know, those little, the, the little f***ers that think that you got to run right in the middle of the school to make the cast. Just keep your engine off. And listen, there, there's things that I do uh, out in the middle. I when I, when I I get away from boats if you can. That's that's kind of my rule, right? Because sure, you're going to see a bunch of boats, you know, you know, all sitting around in a circle trying to cast into them. Uh, those fish know you're there. People got their engines on. People are creeping into them. They, they get real smart real fast, you know? So I try to get away from that crowd and go find them in open water somewhere. And one of the things you can do, and I uh, listen, you tell me I'm crazy, but if you ever notice you're fishing Albies and you go to move your boat, those fish pop up in your prop wash. Cause you're like the food ninja, right? You're chopping up all the shit that they're eating. They're, they're on the Bay anchovies, silver sides, tiny crabs, whatever they're on. You're chopping oh, no. it up. Every time, every time I'm in Florida, and we live chum when we pull away it looks like somebody dropped a bathtub uh, yeah. from a plane yeah. uh, they just start blowing up well, and they yeah. were, they were just sitting right under your boat and the and the the pilchards were hiding under your boat for cover and they don't have cover anymore and it's over yeah. um, and so that happens here you know like those bay anchovies will find your boat They'll, you know, you get around them. They're using your boat for cover if they know there's fish around. You move. You turn the engine on. You you move 20 feet. You know, in that prop wash, they start jumping through it, right? So what you can do is, instead of looking behind you thinking, ah, crap, you know, do a big donut. You know, do one about, you know, a couple hundred feet in a circle. Then park your ass right in the middle of that circle and watch them come skipping through that prop wash. And it gives you a 360-degree view and 360 degrees of cast. And it usually will work. That's friggin', that's friggin' brilliant. <laughs> I, visualized, I visualized the whole thing. I'd never heard that before. You that's just, brilliant. You know, just don't be the moron that does that when there's five other boats in the area. You know, if you have them to yourself and you come across a pod and they're, 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 they're close to you, but they're just not close to cast to, run your boat in a circle and stop. They'll usually come within distance. They'll, they'll, they'll follow the bubbles and the prop wash. They're looking for all that injured bait fish that got uh, chewed up in your prop. No, that's cool stuff. So, how is how is the Albi? What did you think, Mike, when when we announced this Albi tagging program? I talked to you way before we yeah. announced it, but like I know, you know, we've established that, you know, uh, with with a lot of our our members, um, you know, in the Mid Atlantic and the Northeast, people just freak out over Albies, right? It's, oh yeah, it's I do. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a different it's a different thing and people want to do it as much as humanly possible. Um, what's, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Do you think that the Albi fish in the last couple of years has been average below above around my neck of the woods last two years? Quite frankly, no better words for it. I mean, it sucked. Um, they didn't show, usually we get about a month of them. Like they looking back at old calendars and looking at little notes that I've written over the years, you know, September 15th to the 20th is usually when you, the first, you first spot them. Like usually the first few you start spotting around the 20th, then they'll stay almost to the first week of November. And you see them every day. You, You might, you have shots every day, whether you hook them every day is a whole other ball game. But at least they had shots. The past few years, they've been here for like three, four days. And they're sparse. If you're in the right spot at the right time, great. 
Um, and then, you know, they didn't quite make it to where I was, where I am uh, past couple of years. They seem to stay further out to the east, which is about a, it's probably a good 30 mile run, 40 mile run just to find them. And is it worth it at that point? You know, it, it's, you know, it's tough. I mean, we had them, you know, I think last year we got four out of the whole season here. So for some reason, they didn't come down here. That happens, you know, some, listen, they're exotic fish, right? They kind of don't belong in our neck of the woods anyway. They're riding the Gulf Stream up. Um, they belong in Florida and Southern waters. They kind of don't belong up here off the coast of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And, you know, it's just our waters get warm enough. The Gulf Stream jogs in, they come in. It's comfortable for them until about November. And then the water gets too cold and they move. Uh, but it, yeah, it's been, pretty, it was dismal. It was dismal past couple of years here. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. And, and, you know, everybody wants to catch these fish and, you know, when they're, they're trying to book trips for them uh, and, and those fish just don't show up. And what do you do? So you start canceling trips and you're trying to get bluefish and bass and hopefully you run across a school or two. But that's not what the people are paying the money for. They want the shots. They want to see those fish. They want to they want to have some opportunity. And when you can't deliver it, I mean, it's tough. And I mean, you talk to guides at Montauk, Rhode Island, you know, you talk to Paul. Um, uh, and, uh, and other guides out at Montauk and the guys out of Rhode Island, um, uh, up in Nantucket and the vineyard. And I bet, I, I bet that's 30 to 40% of their business. And mine. So I know there were, um, you know, we looked up, uh, Willie, Willie looked up the numbers, uh, cause he had a podcast with, uh, Dr. Kneebone from the New England Aquarium who was helping us with, the. uh, with the tagging, um, you know, they own the array there. Uh, Jeff, uh, Kneebone does a mm. ton of tagging on other species and it just, everything just came together and it made sense. Mm. But, um, you know, uh, they, uh, the, the reason why we did all of this is because, you know, you, you would mention like, Hey, they go up the Gulf stream and they do this. And, you know, I bet you it's 30% of the business, um, we don't know any of that for sure. And, and what I was That's saying all. is when in to prepare for the last podcast, Willie looked up the numbers on the NOAA website. And I think there were like over half a million directed trips for Albies. That's, yeah, a, that's lot a lot. Of, that's a lot of friggin' trips, dude. That's a lot of trips. Yeah. You know, when, when people just, again, you know, back to those trash fish, the jacks, the blues, a lot of people actually view them as a pain in the butt. And I know, you know, the tuna guys, they get into your spread, they tear your stuff up. Right. I understand. I understand. And, you know, you're looking for a fish that's over 100 pounds and you catch one that's 15 and, you know, who the hell wants that on that big gear? I get it. Um, but, you know, a half a million directed trips plus all the other bycatch, stuff like that, you would think that Albies would be elevated a, a, mm -hmm. a little bit more you know, maybe like a smidgen more of respect than they get. And, um, you know, we're hearing what you said, you know, lousy last couple of years. And I know there's people on here that are like, we're covered up in them. That's yeah. awesome. There's, listen, there's bright spots anyway. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. You know what I mean? That's all. We're glad you're covered up in them. Mike was not. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that because <laughs> he's yeah. the guest. So don't, yeah. you know, everyone just calm down. Um, oh, I caught 30. So, uh, you know, come to find out, um, this, this bait fishery has exploded in Florida and that raised a huge concern for us because it's not regulated, not because necessarily there's a bait fishery cause they've been using them as bait for a really, really long time. And I'm sure there's space for everyone, but it's kind of gotten out of control because the price has gone up. So that means a lot more people are doing it. And we're hearing from our Florida guys, that they're albi fishing, you know, you, it's a different world. So you're talking about maybe they go, they went from catching 30 in a day now to 10 and they're smaller. You know, they're not like these 15 to 20 pound giant friggin' albies. So it also coincides with what our guides are telling us in the middle Atlantic and the Northeast. And now we're stuck with shit. There's no science. <laughs> and, right. and what There's do we do? Like, we can't change anything. So that's when we said, okay, well, we'll produce the science. And I mean, I think it kind of shows our, our yeah, recognition commitment. of the importance for albacore. 
uh, false. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I guess all of this back to you and saying like, I, I know you have a huge network of guide friends, you know, what, what are you hearing from other areas? Uh, I know what I've heard about, about the Albies. Like, is it even, even our North Carolina guys, you know, it seems like there's infinitely more pressure in that, in that area in the fall and, and the numbers are, while not bad are starting to become a little concerning. Yeah. You know, in our neck of the woods, you know, listen, like anything, whether it's, you know, you're fishing for sunfish or whatever, there's bright spots, you know, Montauk, uh, and it was, I think, two years ago, wasn't all that fantastic. I mean, you know, there was fish, but not like they've seen. You know, that's the mecca, right? I mean, you go to Montauk, that's the mecca of the fall. You got bass, you got blues, you got false albacore, and there's plenty of them uh, all the way around. Uh, and and in, those, in those mecca areas, Rhode Island, Montauk, I mean, my neck of the woods is not known as a mecca, but we get plenty, usually. And some of those hot spots that you know, that normally are just you can set your watch by it. I mean, set your calendar. They, they, they kind of weren't in great numbers. You know, you had a couple of days here and there they were really good, and then not so great for the balance of the season. Uh, still catching them, but not like you know five, ten, you know, ten years ago when you know you could go out swing a dead cat and go find a school of them. You know, it was it was easy. Now it's getting harder again. It's, uh, you know, they're not showing up in the numbers. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you know who knows what this year is going to bring. And it'll make a fool of me. You know, they'll probably show up and they'll be knocking on my front door. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, honey, can you get the door? You know, get the door. Somebody's at it. Uh, it, it. You know, you can't be fooled by bright spots. And that's that, that's something, you know, you got guys saying, oh, it's the best striper year I've ever seen. I, where you were, it was a bright spot. Right, you were in a spot that they seemed to, you know, kind of hang out a little longer than they used to. So yeah, you caught more. Doesn't mean everybody's catching more. It means you just happen to be in the right spot at the right time. Oh, uh, same- I'm, I'll I'll just jump in right here right now and say, if anyone thinks this striper fishing is yeah, good, no, listen, I'm telling down. you, I think I- <laughs> it is freaking terrible here and and let me tell you since we produce like 70 percent of the fish on the coast according to the best available science yeah, you should listen, probably be a little worried everyone because it, it's it, listen it's not great here. it's not what it was and but there's the, the problem is, is, is the 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 average angler or fisherman that goes out there two days a month when the, when the wife's got the kids at soccer practice and you actually get five minutes of freedom right you go out and you have a good day but that doesn't tell you that the whole story, you know, so you got a got bunch of guys that go out. Some go out every day. Some go out very infrequently. And, you know, th- they were in a bright spot. You know, they were in an area that was just a bright spot. So you hear these guys like, oh, my God, we, we, we were, you know, the fishing was the best I've ever seen it. And you think, well, OK, I mean, for the for the two days you got out, it was pretty darn good. Uh, or the month that you got to fish quite a bit, it was a good month. But what happened to the other months? There's a lot of months out of the year that, you know, you're sitting there picking your nose or your thumbs up your ass and you're sitting on the boat thinking, where the hell are they? Uh, so you, you can't judge, uh, you know, I can't judge the fishery because I had a great day and a guy caught 15 bass, you know. Yeah, it was a good day. Tomorrow might not be a great day. Now, but if is it a great, is it a great fishery if you catch 15 a day, every day throughout the season? Yeah, that's great. There's plenty of fish. But now... No, you have one great day and you know, then you got some dogs in the mix too. You got some you got you gotta fly the skunk flag every now and again. It's it, it hurts. Uh and same thing with the false albacore. Uh you know, we got we got spoiled. I think a lot of us got spoiled with them. They were pretty plentiful. And then when they're not plentiful, everybody cries. Uh you know, is it cyclical? We don't know, right? I mean, that's why you got you know, that's why the ASGA's right, it's ASGA. Right. Nobody really know knows shit. much. I mean, we don't. And, I, you know, I've. No. No. And isn't that shocking? So, listen, I right. know it's. I it's know getting, this is. Getting near you know, the everyone's like lasered in on Albies now. But, you know, but. Yeah, because. But because we're. You know, the Guides Association is growing. We're, we're moving uh, south. And obviously you know, redfish become incredibly important. 
now I've been, I've been going to Charleston quite a lot. Um, you know, recently, uh, family stuff and, uh, you know, fortunate enough to go fishing a little bit when I'm there kind of every time and man, are they complaining about redfish, you know, and what the fishery was and what it is now, same thing from guys from Georgia. And so like you think about redfish and being, I'm right on the Northern boundary of consistent redfish where I live. So I, I experience them, but like y'all, you know, every once in a while people catch a couple of New Jersey. It's a unicorn. And, if it does when you kind of get up to you, it turns into one of these things where it's like, Oh my God, somebody caught a 50 inch redfish today. You know, it's just weird. So here's the craziest thing. Um, we start diving in a couple of months ago and, and this I'm going to make everyone who, you know, cares about Albies feel a little bit better. You're talking about this iconic species. I mean, redfish are almost as iconic as striped bass. It's, it is the inshore species, you know, um, for kind of like the common man, you know, you don't have to be all fancy going after tarpon and bonefish and stuff like that is just kind of like a meat and potatoes fish. Okay. So we're going through the stock assessment and I see the word simulation and I'm like, and this just came out in like May and I'm like simulation. So <laughs> no, I, I'm not kidding you. So <laughs> simulation, listen, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you go through the whole thing and what you realize pretty quickly is because there's no harvest on redfish uh, over 27 inches on the Atlantic coast, they have no data. They have no data. So there's no commercial fishery. There's no to, you know, and they, they have to count their fish. There's no harvest on big fish. So there's kind of like a long line survey that, that, uh, that North Carolina does. And that's about it. So there's so, so little scientific information on redfish over age four that they don't know anything about the population, the spawning stock biomass, like nothing that they actually had to simulate a stock assessment. And you're like, this is, this is <laughs> very concerning, right? This is like, this is incredibly concerning <laughs> yeah. because this is a high value known entity. And we're looking at false albacore and half the people think they're trash fish and, you know, all these things kind of working against us yeah. and they're using a friggin' simulation, yeah. a simulation for a high value, huge economically viable fish. And it makes you just kind of be like, man, this can be, this can be one hell of a hill to climb. Yeah. You know, it, it sucks. You know, what's funny though. And you could tell me if I'm wrong on this one, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a strange vibe, right? Cause the less fish you have to catch, right. You have guys that want to catch them because they're harder to catch, right. They become unicorns. You know, like like rhinos in Africa, right? I mean, they're super protected, but there's still guys that, you know, there's still countries that want to kill those rhinos and they want to grind their horn up and put it in their coffee in the morning because it's going to make you virile. So then the stakes get higher. People are paying more money to shoot, you know, to, more money for the for the the uh, the horn dust from a from a rhino. So sometimes I, I think of it as, you know, as a fish gets harder to catch. You know, there's a group of people that will pay to try to catch those fish with 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 no regard to where, you know, of the longevity of that fishery. Right. They'll, they'll just because right, it's a bragging right. And now they get to high five their friends. And, you know, I actually caught an Aldi. Right. And, and but I paid X amount of money to go do it and they get harder to catch. Now you'll have a whole bunch of other people that will still want to pay their money and try to catch those fish. So it's kind of a weird thing, right? If there's a lot of them, you know, people just take them for granted, you know, like false albacore in the South, you know, for years you talk to guys in Florida and they were shark bait or they're, they're with barracuda bait. They catch a few, they hang them off the back of the boat. They get some sharks to pull up and it's easy fishing for the charters. But you know, how many guys are doing that? Killing, killing false albies, you know, hanging them off the back of the boat, three, four five at a time, filleting them out you know, putting out a scent trail, getting the barracuda to come up on them. Uh, or they're, you know, the guys used to kid around and say, all they're good for is cat food. That's it. And that was the, that was the basic general consensus when you went down South. Anytime I fished in Florida, anywhere through the South, 
because they're trash fish. Nobody wants them. They use them for shark bait. They use them for barracuda bait. They chop them up and they feed their cats with them. That's what they do. So that you have that mentality. I, I bring this. I bring this up all the time, Mike. We have a again a couple of guides in Florida. They used to kind of guide all over the world, um, and and one of them in particular uh, guides for uh, used to guide for GTs uh, Trivali in, in you know Indo Pacific friggin' middle of nowhere, and people would fly from Europe. This is Michael Mowry, um, uh, our board member in Florida, and he's he's German. You know, he's from Germany and lives in Stewart now. And uh, his clients used to pay a gazillion dollars to fly out to you know Bora Bora whatever and get like two shots of GTs. Yeah, for twenty grand. and now they can go to the u.s and spend a week with mike for like a third a fourth of the cost and they'll get 30 shots on jack which is basically a gt well dude i mean pretty much look i've caught both and let me tell you something a 30 pound creval uh there is no difference between that and a 30 pound gt trust me like you, you catch a couple of them and you're like, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I've like, had they <laughs> pull. Right. Um, and, and again, you know, it's the same thing. Like people catch a Jack whacking on the head with a billy club yeah. tied its tail off to the boat. And, but uh, it's seriously though, you know, um, our, our guys where you fish rely on these little. That's their winter. And uh, you know what I mean? Like that money and 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 having pro, you know we'll say prolific numbers right for a, a fish for people to catch well you know if you if you took that away okay you, you know you have straight bass off montauk right okay well we know where this we know where the state of straight bass is right so their fisheries that that whole vibe out there at montauk what all you'd be left with is a striper fishery that's on the on the balls of its ass as is, right? And no albies. They, they would, I guarantee, in my business alone, would cut thirty to forty percent of their business from September on. That's what people start thinking about. September fifteenth on, you got to figure. Like, just imagine losing a month and a half of revenue per day. You know, a guy like me can do two trips in a day based on you know sunlight, etc. So. How much money are you losing, or how much money are you? Not, are the tackle shops not making? Well, you know what I mean. For, they're not selling the hoagie jigs. They're not selling the XO jigs. Uh, they're, they're, you know, these people they they go in, they'll spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on different Albi jigs. Oh wait, hey, what do you? Let me ask. So Shoot. you brought you brought this up. Um, you know, I think hoagie is kind of the pinnacle of. You know, if you want to catch an Albie and you're not, you don't do it every day. Mm -hmm. And you were like, you went to a tackle shop and we're like, Hey, you know, set me up with 10 lures to go out. Eight of them will probably be hoagies. Right. I mean, that's, they got it pretty, pretty well dialed in. So I guess my, I'm leading up to my question is fly. What, you know, what three flies would you use? Mm -hmm. Would you tell your clients to tie on for Albies? What three lures would you use on any given day? So for flies, um, you know, the albihor uh, is a great pattern. Any little epoxy. Uh, one thing I'll say that I've come across in, uh, you know, in my time, you get a cloudy day, fish purple. You know, for some reason, the purple seems to produce, outproduce any other color on a cloudy day. So whether it's a lure or a fly, put something with some lavender, uh, put some purple into it. Um, but you know, a, an old fly like Johnny's angel, uh, your standard epoxy patterns, get creative with some colors. You know, I kind of stick to very muted colors. Uh, some guys like that whole electric chicken pink over chartreuse. It does work. Um, it works sometimes, you know, like anything with those, those friggin' fish, you know, they're fucking difficult. So one minute, it could be the, the, the chicken scratch color or yellow or purple. And 10 seconds later, they'll only hit blue. 
Uh, it's like steelhead fishing, for Christ's sake. It changes so quick what they're willing to hit. But purple on a, on a cloudy day is always my go-to and hasn't disappointed. Uh, so when you take the, the, the flies, you know, you, you know, it's like a Johnny's Angel, anything that imitates something small, silver sidey, uh, an epoxy, doesn't have to be crazy. You know, little small deceiver types or a little clouser, also some standard coloring. Uh, then you get into the the, the lures. Um, I like, uh, you know, you mentioned the hoagie jigs. You know, that's the, you know, you, that's pretty much everybody knows. That's what you have a few in your bag, different colors. Also, I like the Game On XO lures, XO jigs. Uh, they're a little heavier. You can really, you know, if you got to fire that long shot, you can really bomb them. Uh, some of the hoagies are pretty light. Uh, so you not, you know, they're good for, you know, short distances. The heavier ones are a little too long sometimes. They don't get hit. Uh, and then, believe it or not, I like a little topwater plug. You know, I, I was using a Guide Secret um, little Polaris popper, you know, tiny one, and they were licking the crap out of that thing. Uh, and a friend of mine up in the Cape, David Rena, who runs an art gallery up there, he he catches them on topwater all the time. And when he comes down and will fish with me, um, we we have a ball. Because we're out there, he's throwing topwater, and not little topwater either, uh, and banging them. And he's like, they're not as smart as you think they are. And they're really not. I mean, we just get, you know, we just associate them not hitting our flies. They're really smart. Uh, no, they just want something else. So sometimes when they're real picky, throw that top water. Throw something stupid. Throw a gurgler. Get crazy, you know, and you'll be surprised. You know, if you ever saw an Albi hit a gurgler doing 30 miles an hour, you know, and it, you're like, you're flying it like a fucking kite. You know, it blow, blows out of the water. You're like, ah! You know, it, 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 it's the most exciting thing you're going to have happen all year. And that's why these guys want to do it. And if we don't have those fish, where, where the hell are they? And I've done some reading. I mean, I'm certainly not a scientist, but there's places in the world that those fish only eat at night. Albies only eat at night. In some of these other spots, you know, far off countries. Um, I, and, you know, do they feed at night here? I don't know. I don't, I don't go out at 10 o'clock at night looking for them. I mean, I think it's counterproductive. But there's other places that they do, that they're a nighttime feeder. Uh, around here, you know, we associate it with daytime, you know, or, you know, mornings to midday. Uh, you know, our rule of thumb is like there's a golden hour about 3 o'clock in the afternoon before the sun starts setting in the fall, and that's the golden hour. Uh, but I'm concerned because the last two years – you know, I'm sitting there scratching my head thinking, where the f*** are the fish? They should be here. I mean, it's time. It's, it's September 20th. Where are they? And they show up October, you know, October 22nd, and they're here to October 28th, and they're gone. You know, we you get two or three days of them. We used to have, we used to have a month, month and a half. So hopefully, uh, fingers are crossed that it was just a cyclical thing for us the past couple of years. I, I, I'm hopeful. But I think there's something else going on. Well, I think, you know, uh, you know, Mike, um, tons of tons of good information there. You know, we, um, you know, Christ, you're our board member in Connecticut. Like, Yay. we're going to look at we're going to look at this and uh, and we're going to try to instead of complaining and throwing rotten fruit from the cheap seats, <laughs> we'll try to add, we'll try to uh, we'll try to add to the body of science. Yeah, I know. And then it's important. And then and then try to make positive changes so you can have some stability in your fish yeah and, and you know um, i don't know you know you're gonna know a lot more than me you know with willie and and, and you know and, and everyone taking deep dives into the fisheries uh we, we scratch the surface here you know you guys are actually digging the big hole and we get to swim we get to, you're digging the hole we get to swim in the pool once we get the information right um but it's it's i think it's really important that someone keeps track of, of those fish because it is an important part of our economy here. It's an important part of our business. It's a, uh, it's an important part of our rec, just our recreational time, you know, for guys that aren't making money doing this, you know, they, they can't run to the beach anymore and catch them, uh, which is probably one of the hardest things to do is catch them from the beach, especially in our neck of the way. Oh, that's just, you're just a massacre. Right, yeah. If you do right. that. And then if you throw a fly rod into yeah, that, then yeah. you're just, I mean, you're just like, yeah, no, you like the punishment. You, you, you enjoy, you enjoy being disappointed. Yeah. You have a, you have a pain room in your house. Yeah. Like we know, right. like there's, <laughs> there's you, that secret you've, room. You've gone, right. <laughs> yeah, you, you have gone off yeah. the rails. Yeah. Um, yeah. but Hey, we love you for that. Yeah, you listen. know what I mean? Like that's, 
It's all part of I, it. So. We may, I may actually make fun of it from time to time, but you know what? I'll give, I'll give those guys credit, man. They have the fucking conviction to do the. I mean, it's from a boat, it's hard. Try running down a beach in a pair of fucking waders and a fly rod with an east wind in your face, trying to get one shot of the day. And then have to and spend seven hours doing it, and then getting your yeah. Those guys they do those movies about rooster fish, yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, that's not easy. No. But generally, they're on a, they're on a secluded beach with nobody else, and they're on like friggin' ATVs looking for right. Them. And oh, by the way, the, it's you know the thing is probably over thirty inches long, so it's pretty easy to spot. Versus like a camouflage torpedo. Right. That's you know that's going through the water again at like Mach three. Yeah, like I think they swim at like twenty something thirty miles an hour. Oh, it's insane! I mean, it's a tuna. Yeah, it's a little tuna. Yeah. What the hell do you think it's going to be doing? So they make these movies about rooster fish because rooster fish are so cool and they're exotic. But let me tell you something, man. Take the ATV away. Go to a crowded beach right. with like fifteen other people running after them. Yeah. And let's let's see you do that with a little ten pound tuna. Yeah, uh, that's eating like you said, eating eyelashes right out of the water. Little, little you know, shiny eyelashes, so small. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the bait that's so small that you're like, how do I even tie a fly? Like, yeah. you know, what's the smallest possible hook that I can hook this fish and hold this fish? I mean, with? some of the, those are the, those are the metrics in your. I've head. gone down to size. You know, I've been down to like a size six size eight for those albies uh and then there's days they'll hit a they'll hit a they'll hit a fucking of giant they'll hit a fucking sock coming through the water and you think like well, how yeah. did it change from an hour you know like one minute they only want a tiny infinitesimal little bait and the next minute they're they're walloping a top water plug out of nowhere you know i gotta tell you arex came out with these hooks oh man they're uh they're called the curve salt. Oh, I saw those. And CS. And let me tell you something, man. Those little like size four, yeah, those that you're showing me, those little size four and size twos, the gap on that is enormous. Right. Well, and like the second I saw the hook, I was that's like, That's it. I'll be yeah. There. Yeah. So I, I used to use um I'll start using those RX. I've been using these, I've been tying up that stupid fly. I've been making the the GP Clouser on the on the RX Bob Clouser hooks, but you know, I know a while ago before Arix had, um, you know, started taking a stronghold on on the flies, on the fly tying hooks. Um, a company called Veravas had a really good hook with a big gap, uh, really short shanked, big gap. Did those ever break on you? Yeah, I haven't had a problem with them. There's a couple other hooks I've had issues with, but yeah. So the the way it was explained to me is the difference between you know the countries where the where the steel is made. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's, you know, there's positives and negatives to everything, everything. you know, that's sometimes, uh, I guess it's the forging process mm -hmm. when you make it, when you make the steel real hard, right. um, cause there wasn't a lot of flex in the very box, right. uh, they, they become brutal yeah. in the cold. Mm -hmm. So I've the only, I've had them fail in cold water on really big fish, which is really disappointing <laughs> yeah, like that's you know like the two times it happened i'll never forget yeah. and um you know that's that 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 steel will flex a little bit it's the european steel with the arex and just uh man the curve salts again it's 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 perfect for that little snot bait that like you're just like how do i even do that and it, i mean it's probably even tougher for spinning rod guys because you know, you got to have some weight to throw the thing. Our fly lines, our weight. But oh my God, it's like, you know, when the bait is seriously no kidding, like three quarters of an inch, half an inch long, and it's pretty much translucent with like two black eye dots. How, how, they, do, you, how do you imitate it? It's basically like just when it comes to the water, it looks like two black eye dots coming through the water. There's yep. no, there's nothing to them. But one of the things when you get on those snot bait, and there's a lot of it, what I tend to do is just fish uh, all silver right because you know you take something that has some silver prismatic you know in the body right and even if it comes through the, you know comes to a school of snot bait like you think in this thing's you know two inches long three inches long which is way bigger than anything that they're eating right now what you hope they think it is is a small splinter cell that broke off the pod and is swimming by itself and they'll they'll, they'll hit that so listen, they're, they're, they're an enigma, those fish. And that's why we go for them, you know, because you never can figure a little 
is out. And you get up in the morning and you expect a great day and you go out and you get a kick in the ass and you go home. And then four hours later, it's fucking on fire. And you think like, well, it should have been on fire all day. What, you know, what, what's the difference here? But that's why we do it. I mean, it, it's, it's hard. Uh, there's, no, there's, there's no way to win the game. Um, you're at the fish's mercy. Uh, what they feel like eating is what they're going to eat, period. And it might not be what's on the end of your line. Uh, and, and you know what, there's always tomorrow. And that, and that's what we hope for is, 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 is tomorrow. I'm not all that happy and, and confident that we're going to have a good tomorrow. That that's a concern. And that's why I'm excited that somebody's going to start tagging them. And we're going to start trying to get some, some well-needed information on these fish that so much of us rely on. Well, Mike, man, I'll tell you what, life by <laughs> charters. Come up. Let's and get if, some fish. I, I promise you if, if y'all want kind of <laughs> like a high octane fly fishing experience where like your guide has the personality where they get as excited as you do and yelling and cursing on a boat <laughs> and high-fiving and, you know, just literally the thrill of victory the and the agony, agony of defeat. Right. Yes, right. three minutes apart from each right. other on on loop right for you know four five six seven eight hours whatever whatever trip you book um mike <laughs> may be your guy you know so, like you uh, say it's, it's minute to minute because it goes from high five yeah. to screaming drag to me screaming what the f god damn it yeah. go off again yeah and <laughs> it happens hey who could ask for more you know what i mean it's it's the it's the whole it's the whole enchilada it's the whole package so listen y'all have any questions anything Send your comments to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. Thanks for listening to the guide post. We heard, we hope you learned a little cool little new technique or something about fishing for Albies, and we will see you next time. Have a good one, guys. Thank you, Tony. 